The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, November 24, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, Dodo Birds, and Leaky Black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in New York City. It is approaching 1 a.m. on the East Coast. I've been in studio all night. That's why I'm wearing a tie and all that nonsense. The 43rd meeting in college basketball history between teams ranked first and second in the AP poll. It happened late Tuesday in Las Vegas. It was a blowout. Final score, number one, Gonzaga, 83. Number two, UCLA, 63. Just like Gonzaga, Texas, this was never close. The Zags led 29 to 8, 10 minutes after tip-off. They started 13 of 18 from the field and route the shooting 56% for the game. Dead leg. Good to see you. Make sense of what we just watched, which was the latest Gonzaga destruction of a quality Power 5 basketball program. It's not that hard to make sense of this. We'll get to the Duke stuff later in the podcast because that's the the third major test in November. But I believe you and I have to learn our lesson at some point here. Okay, I've, I'm too old to be learning lessons. No, this is a lesson a lesson uh, to be applied here. We both took Gonzaga to beat Texas, but Texas to cover. No, we both took Gonzaga to beat UCLA, but UCLA to cover. They have looked dominant. They're doing what they did all last season and much of the season before. They're winning all of their games by double digits. You know, and I'm not going to even get into this whole idea of like, does this mean Gonzaga can do? We're not going down that road again with in the tournament. Can they win it all? They're awesome. Again, you can see our producer, Nada Edwards, has put up um, the box score here. A couple things that jump out to me. You had UCLA with four fast break points. The defense is clearly better. Uh, we're great. We can talk about Chet plenty. I'm, I'm happy to do so. Andrew Nemhard was the best player on the floor. Okay. And there's a bit of chatter. Understandably so. Is it, Does Gonzaga have the preseason national player of the year, the potential number one pick, and the best point guard in college basketball? Because at Dan Mel, it, it might. It might, GP. 24 points, six assists, five boards from Nemhard. He was awesome. Holmgren was was terrific. I'll save my UCLA thoughts um, uh, for a couple minutes from now, but I'm not that stunned by this. I'm just a bit let down because it's a one versus two, and I was hoping that we'd be able to get on this podcast and talk about a really great game, but we're not. It was just, it was awesome to see Dick Vitale back on the mic, and that was a a pleasure. That was the highlight of the night, basically. You know, UCLA just didn't threaten. Like, we just kind of sat there wondering if it would ever happen. It never did, and so Gonzaga gets a cruise control victory and now has a couple of days to rest up and prepare for Duke. First, I'm not surprised that they look better defensively and that they overwhelmed 
I mean, they overwhelmed UCLA in every way you could overwhelm a basketball team, but including on the defensive end. I mean, let's just think about what's different from last season's team to this season's team. Um, say this with all due respect, but losing Corey Kispert does not hurt you defensively. Putting basically anybody else in that position helps you defensively. And then they added an elite shot blocker. I mean, a rim protector who, yes, blocks a bazillion shots a game, but prevents people from even taking them, like prevents people from even trying to right. take them. And that's a big, big uh, factor. So they're tremendous defensively, or at least they're better defensively. And you mentioned that they're doing um, exactly what they did last season. That's what it looked like. It looked like a Gonzaga basketball game from last season where, keep in mind, they're not just bombing on you. They're just getting easy basket after easy basket after easy basket, no problem. Um, again, the first 18 shots, 13 of them went in. They were up uh, by, what was it, 29 to 8. So they're up 21 points 10 minutes after tip-off. Like I looked at the clock, 10 minutes left in the first half, it's 29 to 8. And yes, this is going to be like after the Texas game, the buzzwords became Drew Timmy's footwork. Like suddenly everybody's talking about Drew Timmy's footwork. Like last year, I'm sure somebody referenced it somewhere, but it I wasn't did. like it wasn't trending on Twitter. Like it, it, it's wild how one person says something and then it just becomes that the thing. Drew Timmy's footwork. Uh, can we just get hashtag Timmy's feet going? I, I feel like Ke that might be. <laughs> Kevin loves outlet passes. You remember that one? Oh, I love that, that one. All because uh, that was a thing where like it got mentioned that he this was before I got CBS, but I I remember it all too well because he made you like, like Taylor pass. Swift. You sound like Taylor Swift. There you go. Uh, he made like a chess pass in practice, and like some national media members were on hand for it, and so that it was this idea that Kevin Love. Oh, he makes a chess pass down the entire court. Yeah, that exact oh, thing. I oh, and then you could never talk about Kevin Love without mentioning the outlet passes. You know, and he's really great at outlet passes. Like, Jesus, Lord. Drew Timmy's <laughs> got great footwork. And now now here's the new one. It'll be, does Gonzaga, you reference it. They got the player of the year, the number one pick in the draft, and the best point guard. And you're right. They might. I'll give Tommy Lloyd credit. I don't know if you remember this, um, but we were sitting with him uh, in Augusta, Georgia, this past summer and sort of picking his brain. I mean, I was picking it like, hey, hey, so how do you think they're going to use Chet? Tommy, for people who don't know, he's now the Arizona head coach. He was a longtime assistant at Gonzaga. And he said, Chet's going to be fine. Timmy will do what he does. Chet will float around and he'll rim protect on one end and float around on offense. And I, I vividly remember Tommy saying this. And Nimhard will be the best point guard in the country. He won't be the best point guard prospect. And people might not talk about him that way, but he'll be the best one. He'll be the most impactful one, the most effective one in doing what his team needs him to do. And when you check those three boxes, man, you got something special. And you're right. There are some weirdos out there who will continue to ask questions like, yeah, but can they do it in March? Which is such a stupid question to ask. Of course, like, of course, this team can win a national championship, just like last season's team could have won a national championship, just like the one that lost to Carolina in the title game could have won a national championship, just like some other team, the, the, the Adam Morrison team could have maybe won a national championship. Gonzaga has had lots of teams that could do it. They just haven't done it yet. And this team might not do it because there are other good teams in the country, Kansas, Purdue. But this team is clearly good enough to do it. And if it's possible to exceed expectations, 
when you are the betting favorite to win the national title and the consensus number one team in the preseason, that is what they're doing already. They are exceeding expectations. They have played a Texas team that was preseason top five and a UCLA team that was preseason top five, and they blew both of them out. Neither game was competitive. And if you want to look at Texas and say, well, yeah, but how good is Texas? Okay, like whatever. You can't look at UCLA and say that. Why? Because they just beat Villanova, and we know Villanova's legit. Villanova's going to win the Big East probably by multiple games. We know Villanova's legit. UCLA beat them, and then UCLA couldn't even play with Gonzaga. That's how dominant they were. Yeah, uh, UCLA had .89 points per possession. Not horrendous, but obviously you want to be above uh, one. Uh, if you can be, Gonzaga finished at 1.17. Effective field goal percentage really tells the story. Gonzaga shot 65%. That's combined uh, rate between your two-pointer and three-pointer to get an effective field goal rate. UCLA was just 36.2%. Uh, not good, and UCLA didn't get to the line either. They, you know, Gonzaga turned the ball over more than UCLA did, but it was just non-competitive there. Uh, I was a little surprised by that. Juzang only had 11 in this game. He had 29 when they played in the Final Four. Um, credit to McCronin. He knew what he was talking about. He got asked... Again, sorry about that damn noise. Yeah, you told me you were going to fix that. At what point do you? At what point are you true to your word? At what point are you? A, at what point are you a man of your word? I need someone to explain to me how a MacBook Pro that's newer by at least three years than the Air that I'm on has a worse camera than this one. That's why this is happening. We're going to get but Can't this you fixed. just turn that sound off? Can't you just like, there, there's got to be a way I, to I do that. I literally can't. My apologies to everyone. I wish I could. It's Enterprise Connect, and it's not the rental car company. I don't know what's going on. Trust me. I hate delete, it. Uh, d- uh, delete Enterprise. Co- delete what do you even need that for? I, I cannot get rid of this damn thing. I d- d- delete, delete Enterprise Connect. Why do you need that? What is it for? I have no idea, man. Then why do you have it? it? Delete it. I if I, I, I it, put it on the computer. I didn't put it, it on. Delete it. I delete stuff off my computer all the time. I, that does not surprise me. Um, I, I don't need anything I don't need. Okay. <laughs> By the way, to everyone listening and watching on YouTube, hello. Uh, we, <laughs> Nada even says he's tried and failed miserably to delete that. We will, we, the plan is this, starting Sunday, shows will be live, every single one of them. So you will follow yeah, Gary Pierce CBS. I've, 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 I've heard that before. You have heard that. Well, it's, it's, we're, we're trending toward it. If I can get this Enterprise Connect situation figured out. <laughs> We'll see, but follow at Gary Pair CBS on Twitter at Matt Norlander on Twitter at Nata the Scribe. That's N A T A the Scribe on Twitter. I on College Basketball Podcast. Follow all of them. We'll tweet out before we go. We we know you want to watch it as we as we pod in real time. And boy, won't that be an adventure there? Enterprise Connect will be gone forever. Um, Juicing had eleven. I had I had some sort of train of thought that I, oh yeah, Mick Cronin. He said after they struggled to beat who did they struggle to beat Bellerman. It was something like that. He said, we're not ready for Gonzaga tomorrow. You know, you almost never hear a coach say this. And, and he said, oh, we're no, we're not ready. And then he was, this is why he's the greatest coach in UCLA history. Not beating around any bushes. Okay. And then after tonight, after the game tonight, uh, he told the media, apparently there's a couple of UCLA players that were kind of a little sick, non-COVID illnesses. His quote is, quote, nah, sniffles. That would add to our colossal softness right now colossal softness uh mick cronin remains tremendous still rocking the suit obviously furious with his team's lack of effort there and i'll just note like ucla's five and one they do have that win over villanova a villanova team that is 
three and two um, with losses to UCLA and Purdue and win over Tennessee. So we'll see. I'm not going to overreact to that one result. I just was hoping we'd get a better UCLA team than we got in this particular game here. And we didn't. And so that's a little bit of a letdown uh, for the Bruins now with this game behind them. Um, I don't know. Big opportunity lost. They actually have to play on the road against UNLV in a couple of days. Uh, that's the way the schedule worked out. But their next big game out of conference, aside from that, is at Marquette in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, this makes me think no differently of UCLA. Like, I'll probably drop them in the top 25 and one because I don't drop you for losing to better teams um, when you're competitive and they're close. But, you know, they got ran off the court. They were not competitive with Gonzaga. So I'll probably drop them below Kansas, which is undefeated with a great win. Drop them below Purdue, which is undefeated with great wins. But I'll have them fourth, one spot ahead of Villanova. This, to me, what happened Tuesday night was not about UCLA. It was about Gonzaga. It was about this is a team that lost, you know, a top five pick, lost a top 15 pick, lost three of its top four scores. And I'm not telling you that they're better. But I'm telling you that once again, they look like the best team in the country. And I know that once we looked through the entire season last season, Baylor looked like the best team in the country and Baylor is the national champion. But, you know, in the computers, Gonzaga is still rated better than, than Baylor. And right now, Gonzaga is rating way better than anybody in the country. I'm not ready to start talking about going undefeated again or anything like that. But this team is obviously legit uh, with very few weaknesses. And though Holmgren, you know, didn't have the biggest performance of anybody, that's probably, like you said, Andrew Nimhard, boy, he had some moments where you just go, come on, somebody that tall is not supposed to be doing those things. There was that one sequence, I tweeted it, I think everybody did, you know, he blocks a shot on one end, you know, off the backboard. Um, uh, you know, uh, secures it and then takes off and gets into the lane where, by the way, every other seven footer in the country would have turned it over. <laughs> just, just, that, that, that's the, there's no scenario where everybody, every other seven footer in the country doesn't turn it over. He gets into the lane, um, you know, behind the back two hand dunk. And that is why he's an elite prospect. It's why he might be the number one pick in the 2022 draft. Yes, he is very, very skinny. And yes, he'll have to add weight if he's ever going to play in a, you know, be a superstar in a league where if you are a five, you're dealing with people like Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, like really big, strong men. Um, but clearly his lack of strength, lack of weight is not going to, um, prevent him from being an incredible college basketball player. And I don't know if you saw this stat uh, that got was floating around in advance of the UCLA game. Um, but if not, I'll read it to you, assuming I can find it here in my bookmarks right next to Enterprise Connect. <laughs> While you look for just a note, UCLA started the game six for 31 from the field. Some of that was bad missed threes. And some of it as we are getting to on defensively was also Chet Holmgren. Just, he just alters a ton. You got that. Here's the, here's the, here's the fact that I stumbled into, I guess it was, you know, it, it, late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, Chet Holmgren 
is the only Division One player in the last 25 years to score at least 60 points, mm-hmm. record at least 15 assists, block at least 15 shots, and shoot at least 70% from the field and 70% from the free throw line over any five-game span. Any and he did it. Span. And he did it in the first five games of his career. So think about all of the great players who have played Division One basketball in the past 25 years. We're talking about Kevin Durant, Tyler Hansborough, Leaky Black. Nobody has ever done those things in any five-game span. First five games, second five games, games four, five, six, seven, eight, games 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Nobody's ever done it at any point in the past 25 years in any five-game span. And Chet Holmgren just casually did it in the first five games of his college career. Now, I know we're drawing some weird lines there that, you, you know, to make it fit a certain thing or somebody drew those lines there. And that doesn't mean he's the best college basketball player of the past 25 years. It doesn't even mean he's the best college basketball player in the country right now. But it does, it does show you how unique he is. Like that's the little buzzword everybody uses with him. Oh, he's such a unique prospect, but he really is an incredibly unique prospect. Like, like in, a lot of people can score at least 60 points and shoot at least 70% from the field and 70% from the free throw. But what, you know where you get them at the 15, at least 15 assists and at least uh, 15 blocks. Like who's doing that? Not many, but he can, he's a special guy. He is shooting 86.2% from two point range right now. <laughs> He's 25 of 29 from the field from three point range. He's 38.5%, five for 13 overall. And he's shooting 78% from the foul line and 18 attempts. Uh, Drew Timmy is number two in the Ken Palm player of the year. Algorithm Holmgren is number five. Again, we are very early into the situation, but they are looking uh, mighty fine. And this was, I thought I th- also, this is my kind of my last on a Holmgren um, and kind of the game in general in Gonzaga. Uh, they're going to be this dangerous because of games like this and the differences between what they look like versus what they look like versus Texas. You know, Timmy was just like, whatever, you know, he got, what do you have? 18. He was good, but he like, he wasn't, he wasn't the same player against UCLA as he was when I saw him up in Spokane, but you're going to probably have four, six, eight, ten 10 sequences offensively or defensively or defense into offense from Holmgren that just, kind of, you know, staunch the momentum of another team or just give Gonzaga that boost. And then Nemhart is super, just super reliable here, man. They're just, they're hard to resist. And by the way, how about this one? I looked this up before we podcasted. Side note, before I say that, this was the one versus, versus first one versus two game in the past seven, not decided by seven points or fewer. We'd actually had a lot of close one versus twos. Unfortunately, this was a blowout. But how about this? Gonzaga, now this is just regular season games, and I know the league it plays in, but it's also playing good non-conference opponents. In Gonzaga's last 103 regular season games, they're 99 and four. No, it's outrageous. 99 and four. What? 99 and four. It's a joke. It goes back to three and a half, four years ago. So it's just, you know. The one thing, and and we can talk about this when we get to the final four and one. Um, but it, it seems pretty clear he's he's been a problem, Chet Holmgren, on the defensive end for both Texas and UCLA, which suggests he's going to be a problem for everybody on the defensive end. And I, I wonder if, like your Duke or anybody else, and you're trying to actually upset this team, 
you got to get him off the court. And that means you got to go at him. But like going at him is problematic because it's not usually going to be successful. But I did think UCLA tried that a little bit right at the beginning of the game. Like, let's go at him and see if we can pick up some fouls and get him off the court. It didn't work, but I'm not sure that's not the best approach because when he's on the court, yes, him launching from 23 feet gets attention and him going coast to coast behind the back gets attention. But it's on that defensive end of the court where he really causes a a lot of problems. You mentioned uh, the league Gonzaga plays in. Before we move on, let's point out that the West Coast Conference is awesome. I was going to say this for Final Four and One, but you want to get into it right now? Let's do it, my man. It has been an incredible few nights for the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga is now 6-0 and um, with wins over Texas and UCLA. They're ranked first at Ken Palm. But it doesn't stop there. BYU is 4-0 mm-hmm. with wins over San Diego State and Oregon. They're 27th at Ken Palm. San Francisco is 6-0. and Beat Davidson and Nevada. They're 37th at Kimpom. St. Mary's is 5-0. 41st at Kimpom, beat Oregon and Notre Dame. And Santa Clara, mm-hmm. Herb Sindek, 5-0, beat Stanford by 16, Nevada by 22, TCU by 19. They're 71st at Kimpom. Right now, the WCC has four teams in the top 45 at Kimpom. That is the same number as the Pac-12, as the ACC, and as the Big East. And the American Athletic Conference, which typically finishes one spot ahead of the WCC in the conference standings, the American only has two in the top 45, Houston and Memphis. Again, the WCC has four. That's the same number as the Pac-12, ACC, and the Big East. That league is 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 really operating um, you know, really well right now in a way that we shouldn't be surprised by Gonzaga, maybe not by BYU. San Francisco had strong computer numbers in the preseason, um, but St. Mary's seems to be, you know, back to what St. Mary's has been in its best days under Randy Bennett and Santa Clara sitting here at five and zero with a 16 point win over a PAC 12 team and a 19 point win over a big 12 team. Like that's a, that's it. I said this because we had Santa Clara's game on our air Monday night, CBS Sports Network. I was in studio. Like, I've watched them twice now, I think. That's a team that could win an NCAA tournament game if it gets into the NCAA tournament. You got to get there. And the problem for them is that they're not in some one bid league where they can just go win the auto bid because you, you got to beat Gonzaga in this league to get the auto bid. Good luck. But if they can get an at large bid to the NCAA tournament, that Santa Clara team's good enough to win a game. Before I get into a little bit of the WCC here, uh, you can see it on the screen right now. Hashtag four bid WCC. Like I'm serious. 27 and 0 combined with those five teams. Like I, I, I sent out hashtag four bid WCC and people are like five bid five is going to be a lot, but this is, there's already a, a significant portion of the non-conference schedule that has been played. And these teams haven't lost yet. One of them will have in the final four, actually two of them will have in the final four and one uh, in a little bit here. But Parrish, like I said in the preseason, this was going to be the best season in the history of the conference. That's clearly going to be the case. Even if it's a split top half, bottom half, it's just never been this good. Uh, it's going to take a monumental collapse from the likes of Santa Clara, the Dons of San Francisco, and then like a St. Mary's, which, hello, is playing in the Maui championship game on Wednesday. Uh, you with me, right? 
I mean, this is this clearly seems to be where we're heading because we don't have, again, the likes of the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12. The, these conferences have not performed in sterling fashion through the first two, you know, two weeks and a day here throughout the season. So I'm just saying, four bid, WCC. Well, thing. how about this? If you were doing a bracket tonight, you would probably have four WCC teams in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just would. based on the records and the computer numbers, you would probably have four WCC teams in it. You know, I, you know, we'll see. But, you know, this whole bottom half, top half split is not the worst thing in the world for a league to have. I mean, I know, uh, a, you know, a commissioner wants every team in the league to be good. But you're, if you're a coach in the league, hey, let's just let's build up strong computer, computer numbers among the top four or five. And let's only beat each other. And let's and lose to each other, and then let's 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 beat the breast of them, with no exception. Mm-hmm. That's how you get four, three teams, four teams, five teams. You don't want your teams at the bottom capable of beating your teams at the top. That's a disaster. And so the good news for the WCC is the teams at the bottom might be so drastically separated from you know the top four or five even that they won't be at risk of taking those losses and. You know, when you start, when you're trying to build a resume, uh, you know, when you're in the ACC, you can go get big quad one wins. Big 12, you can go get big quad one wins. In the WCC, there's not going to be those types of opportunities to go get these big signature wins. So what's the next best thing you can do? Avoid the bad losses. And that's why it's not the worst thing when the teams below you um, aren't, re- aren't, aren't seriously a threat to you. We'll remind listeners, there's a six team that could also be a, benefit to the league Loyola Marymount was expected to be better than Santa Clara and in the eyes of some better than San Francisco that hasn't been the case but they are three and two with a win over uh, SMU so just keep that in mind as well um yeah but you I mean you 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 laid out the teams before the, the conference's wins over SMU TCU Notre Dame Oregon Texas Oregon twice San Diego State there's just a lot of quality wins to this point and uh, they should have a good shot. Santa Clara does have one of its better players who's going to be out with mono for a few weeks. So hopefully eh, they're not held back too far by that. But yeah, it's been good. By the way, on Torvik, you can search uh, to eliminate all. So Kempom right now still has preseason bias built in, right? So that's why, for example, if you go and look and you'll see like two loss Villanova hasn't dropped a lot because there's preseason bias and historical bias. You can filter out to just results this season. And Torvik's got five WCC teams in his top 53. He's got San Francisco 53. St. Mary's weirdly at 51, uh, Santa Clara up at 29, BYU at 10. And this is just based off of opponents and what you've done. This will get updated. It hasn't been, it doesn't reflect the Gonzaga when he's actually got Arizona one and Gonzaga two based off pure performance, no preseason bias. Gonzaga will no doubt go to number one once that updates in the morning there, but big win for the Zags. And we'll get to the Duke game in just a little bit. All right, let's move on. Cincinnati. Looks like it might be way better than anybody anticipated. We're going to spend a few minutes on the Bearcats next, but first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Cincinnati looks like it might be significantly better than anybody anticipated in the preseason. The Bearcats were picked sixth in the preseason AAC poll under first-year coach Wes Miller. Started 4-0, then beat number 14 Illinois by 20 on Monday night. And that's full strength with Kofi Coburn, Illinois. And then they played Arkansas on Tuesday night, 13th-ranked Razorbacks, and played them to the final minute. I, I know that Arkansas covered, but that was a – which was, you know, I think they covered – it was Arkansas minus five, and they covered it because of some, you know, late free throws and, you know, whatever. But it was a one-possession game in the final 30 seconds. Uh, so it's a really nice start to the season for Cincinnati, and by extension – that's good for the AAC. It's good for Memphis. It's good for Houston. You buying some West Miller stock right now? Yeah, I think I got it. I mean, Arkansas wins it. They're supposed to win it, Hogs fans. So you're 5-0, and and Jalen Williams look wonderful, and you don't have a relevant game again for a good while here. The story is more Cincinnati because there was a little bit of an iffy charge call that went Arkansas's way. Uh, it was Williams who actually drew the charge. He got there in time. It's just one of those plays where I'm not, a, I'm not one of these guys who like hates the charge. I don't hate the charge. It needs to be in basketball. There's a reason why it's there, but sometimes these guys will just slide in right under. And it's just uh, that stuff. You got to get out of the game. Arkansas benefited from it. Uh, Cincinnati did not. And so the Bearcats lost an opportunity to take one and that would have been huge, but yeah, they're off to a really, really good start. And, and I'm not even, I'm not close. Like I've already seen a little bit of like just a, and this is more from, commenters if you will but a little bit of like carolina go with the right route we're not going down that route right now we're oh, six, I, I, we're six I, games into the season people yeah i'm not ready to go there either but i've had north carolina fans say that to me i know like it's not just random people i mean it is random people but random north carolina fans like did we hire the wrong former player like, did we mess this up? And it's way too early for that. Wait. Uh, but, like, let's focus on Wes Miller. Takes over a not great situation at Cincinnati. Depleted roster. Cincinnati's been down. That's a proud program historically. Bob Huggins, Mick Cronin. And I, I guess I assumed Wes could get it back. I didn't think it would be in year one. And it should be noted after they beat Illinois, Wes was very quick to say, listen, we're not back. We ain't, we're not anywhere. Like, you know, we haven't done anything. But any, any single result can be fluky. I think it means something when you pound Illinois and then come back the next night and play to the final minute with Arkansas. That suggests to me that, that you've got the goods and that you might end up being, you know, a top three team in the American Athletic Conference. For what it's worth – you know, Cincinnati started 117th. You can see it right there at Ken Palm. We're two weeks into the season, more or less, and they're up to 69th at Ken Palm. So they have improved 48 spots, if my math is correct. And that suggests that they are performing um, at an impressive level. So I, I always like it when these programs that are historically strong or were strong throughout my you know, 
teenage years and they go, they dip a little bit for whatever reason. I like it when they pop back. Like I, I like it when Georgetown's good. Um, I would like it if St. John's were good. Um, you know, these programs that have some real history and Cincinnati is one of those. And to see them look like they're at least going to be respectable and capable of competing with a Houston or a Memphis in that league. Um, that, that's a, a tremendous job by Wes Miller. Cause I promise you, I, I didn't spend a second this offseason thinking about Cincinnati basketball. Okay. He's taking strays there. Uh, Pertorvik, Cincinnati has been the 35th best team to date this season. That's ahead of the likes of Illinois, Michigan, Illinois. Of course, they beat Illinois, uh, Oklahoma, Utah State, et cetera, et cetera there. And yeah, they've, it's been all, it's, it's, they're off to a good start. I did not think we'd be talking about Cincinnati basketball in the month of November. I just didn't. So West Miller is off to a, a good start. And that was another, that game was happening. It coincided with the Gonzaga UCLA game. So unless you had a two screen thing going there, uh, it was uh, one of the other notable results from, uh, from Tuesday night. And uh, we'll see, we'll see the, the good, the good news is the defense is back. That program had a defensive identity every season under Mick Cronin, as you well know, Lost it under John Brannon, and now you know we'll see. It's kind of a makeshift roster, but West Miller could have a top forty defensive crew this season. Are we ready for the final four and one? We're ready for the final four and one. After that, stick around. I got a few games you need to know about. Listen, Thanksgiving commuters, we're here for you. You're hitting this pod while you're doing the travel. Hope you're staying safe. Got plenty to keep you uh, to update as we kind of navigate our way through Thanksgiving week. And if you're wondering, if you're wondering. Because it's a perfectly reasonable thing to wonder. Why are you doing the final four and one on a Wednesday? I thought that was a Friday thing. That's true. The answer, the answer to that question is that we're not going to do a Friday episode. We deserve to enjoy holidays too. <laughs> Plus, I've been out of town the entire week. I won't even get home until late afternoon on uh, Thanksgiving. And then my wife, not to get too personal, but she is a store owner. She's a business owner. And uh, Black Friday is uh, it's overwhelming for her. And so I'm just going to spend Friday with my kids, and she's going to spend Friday running her store. And we're going to talk to you again on Sunday night after tonight. But we didn't want to not do a final four and one in this week, especially after I took the lead following last week's picks. That didn't happen. No shot. I'm just... still trailing. <laughs> still trailing. I actually, I should have had the records here. Nada had the, uh, here we go. It says in the doc right here. If I have it right, GP is three and seven. Mm. Norlander, six and four. God. Yeah, it's a little rough on you there, man. I thought I did better than that. (laughs) I feel feel like, I feel like. You are helping the people because they know know to fade you. Just don't parlay it and you're going to wind up, uh, you're going to wind up on top. But yes, there will not be a Friday show. But when you come back Sunday, no enterprise connect and we should be <laughs> I've heard that before. I've heard I've heard I've heard all that before. You and your you and your empty promises. <laughs> all right. You, you ready? ready? Let's go. Game 1, Wednesday, 2:30 p.m. Eastern. Number 22 Yukon versus number 19 Auburn inside Kimbo Slice Arena. Okay. He's from the Bahamas. Uh, I didn't know if there had been a UFC event there, so I googled 
famous people from the Bahamas and Lenny Kravitz popped up and I said, that's cool. And then I clicked on Lenny Kravitz and it said he was born in New York city. And then I, and, and then Zoe Kravitz popped up. I said, Ooh, I like Zoe Kravitz. And then I clicked on her and I was like, she's born in America. And I'm like, well, how are all these people claiming they're from the Bahamas? If they they're from America, buddy from- healed my man, buddy healed. I almost went with him, but then I saw Kimbo slice. Fair enough. That dude just used to fight people in, in the backyard all the time on video. Yeah. How thing. wild was that? <laughs> Decently wild. UConn minus three and a half. You can watch it on ESPN. What are they doing? This is one of those deals where these event organizers try and build the bracket out. So it's like, all right, decent enough, you know, first round quarterfinals. And then let's get the better teams to ideally to meet in the semis. And then the two best, if it all breaks right to go in the title game. They must have thought that UConn wasn't going to be ranked. I don't know. This is the best uh, first round matchup of the four at the Battle for Atlantis. I'll have more for you in a minute. I'm going to go. Hmm. This feels tricky. I will take. I will take UConn to win and to cover here. Auburn's good. I think this game can be highly entertaining. If you have not seen Adama Sanogo play, keep an eye. He will be UConn's best player. RJ Cole. Very good score. UConn has really good defense. I think that they're going to have enough length and athleticism to slow down what is an entertaining Auburn team. But yes, this is a wonderful, wonderful way to get your Wednesday going. You might be listening to this podcast and the game's going on. Go find this game right now. UConn to cover. Have you seen what my breakout player of the year, Walker Kessler, is doing? (laughs) You know, I I have not, I'm afraid. Well, let me tell you. (laughs) Read it off. He's averaging 4.3 points, 5.7 rebounds, 3.7 blocks a game. Disappointed in him. That's rough. I'm disappointed in him. Maybe this is the game where it all turns around. Why is Walker Kessler not not breaking through? I in the preseason, let's just let's just hit the reset. I gave you Zach Eady. Paris gave you Walker Kessler. <laughs> Hey, but it can, it can truly, it can turn around. We'll see. I would like to change my breakout player if it's not too late to Adama Sanogo. Okay. <laughs> I'll allow <laughs> he, it. He is breaking out, averaged 7.3 points last season. Now it's 15.8 through four games this season. He's been good, really good. You, like you said, he's at this point, he's UConn's best player. I, I guess I'll take Auburn plus the points. Perhaps this is the game Walker Kessler breaks through. Perhaps maybe this is he the game you break through. Maybe he decided I will not break through until I am inside Kimbo Slice Arena. You never know what these young people are thinking, Norlander. I, I'm you, almost positive I know he was never thinking that thought. You just even you are getting a little, you know, up there to the point where you can't you can't pretend you know what these young people are thinking. So I know it might sound absurd to you that Walker Kessler might have been thinking, I will not break through until Thanksgiving Eve inside Kimbo Slice Arena. But that might have been in his mind somewhere. And you think we can convince Seth Davis next year to do a 50 under 50? So we got a shot at this thing. Dude, do you know? Do you, how about this? Actually, will you have a shot at that? Yeah, I'm under 50 for a little while. Okay. I know it doesn't look like it. <laughs> what were you going to say? So the Memphis Flyer used to have a uh, 
they had a they, like I made forty under forty, no problem in Memphis. That was that was easy. I was the easiest forty under forty pick of all time. But then the Memphis Flyer did a thirty under thirty, and I went on a rant one day, live on radio. I was like, I was a national columnist for CBS Sports at the age of twenty nine. Had my, had the most successful radio show in this market at the age of twenty eight. How could I have not been third thirty? You know, top thirty under thirty. Like, this is absurd, bordering on totally disrespectful. Went on the whole thing, tongue in cheek, but kind of serious. <laughs> the editor emails me uh, and just says, hey, "Hey, I wanted you to know that." Um, because at this point I was like 38. He was like, you you realize we didn't start 30 for 30 until like three years ago. You were already 35. <laughs> it didn't exist when you were under 30. And I had to apologize. I think that, that was the case. Yeah. But if it would have, I guess I thought I could have made it. But now I can't even get in the athletic 40 under 40. Not sure. Honestly, not sure I can make 50 under 50. <sighs> we might have a chance. Speaking of Memphis, game two. Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, number nine, Memphis versus Virginia Tech inside Olivia Wilde Center. <laughs> Why? She lives in Brooklyn, I think. So you're giving her the building? Barclays. That's hers. Okay. She she's divorced got, she's Ted got Lasso. more naming rights over that building right now than Kyrie Irving. I'll tell you that much. She divorced Ted Lasso and started hooking it with Harry Styles. You don't think she deserves a building? Again, I am out to lunch on all the celebrity gossip. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know she was married to Jason Sudeikis. Come on, Jesus Christ. (laughs) You didn't know she was married to... They weren't married. Maybe they weren't married. They were partners. They have children. I know. And you saw him at a Delta Lounge like two years ago. You made eye contact. It got a little awkward. I know the whole deal. That's a real story. Delta Lounge on my way to the Maui Invitational back when they used to actually play it in Maui. Remember that? Zion Williamson was there, and that other guy, RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett, everyone knows who that is. I was in the Delta Sky Club having breakfast, and I look up, and guess who's there? Ted Lasso, Olivia Wilde, and their little children. And you would think, oh, look, it's the movie stars and the writers and the directors. Man, look how much, what a life. And you know what they were? Exactly like any other parents with young children in an airport. Totally stressed out. You could see it. It's hard, man. Not a sense of note. See, he, he... Keeps us in check, which I appreciate because now we don't have people that are going to yell at us on Twitter. They were, in fact, married. There we go. I knew it, and I didn't even know it. I was going to go to this game. Not happening. I'm not going down to Brooklyn at 930 the night before Thanksgiving. I got to drive all the way back. I I can't be doing this. I'm going to pull a Kyrie on this game. I'm not going to the Barclays Center. Not going to happen. It's the Olivia Wilde Center, sir. It's been renamed in honor of one of Brooklyn's great residents. But we, we have a similar situation here with Lenny Kravitz. She is not, she is not from Brooklyn. She is of Brooklyn. She calls it her home. Okay. She's Brooklyn. One rule for Kimbo slice and another for Olivia Wilde. I'm in charge of where I want to bend my rules. This is going to be an interesting game because yes, this is a good game. Very good game. Um, But Memphis has a flaw. I don't know if you paid close attention to them. They are turning the ball over on 27.2% of their possessions. 27.2. It ranks three. They, that's not sustainable. 
They rank 353rd in the country in offensive turnover rate. It is wild. Like against Western Kentucky last Friday night, they turned it over 26 times, still won by double digits. That's uh. how awesome Jalen Duren was and how great they are defensively. That against Western Kentucky, which is like a borderline top 100 Kim Pump team, turned it over 26 times, shot 12.5% from three, and only got five points from Amani Bates, and they still won by double digits. But here's the truth. Um, you cannot turn the ball over 26 times against Virginia Tech and win. That just won't happen. No. Yeah, so they got to get that under control, and they just have real point guard problems. And it's wild because if they still had Boogie Ellis, who's now at USC, playing really well, they wouldn't have these problems. If they would have enrolled Kennedy Chandler, like they got five-star freshman Amani Bates, five-star Amani Bates from Michigan, five-star freshman Jalen Duran from Philadelphia, but they missed on five-star freshman Kennedy Chandler from Memphis. If they'd have got the five-star freshman from Memphis, they wouldn't have this problem. But Alex Lomax is still the starting point guard, and he's just, I say this as nicely as I can say, he's not good enough, and it's a real problem. If Memphis doesn't get where Memphis fans and where that staff wants it to go, it'll be because they got caught with only one natural point guard on the entire roster, and that guy is Alex Lomax. Virginia Tech is good, 5-0. and um, top 25 in offensive efficiency, like 31st in defensive efficiency. They take care of the ball. They're shooting 42.5% from three. Kevin Aluma and Storm Murphy are the two leading scorers. Both played for Mike Young at Walford. Mm-hmm. How awesome is Mike Young that he got an ACC job and he was just like, I'll just bring my Walford team over and win. And win. Storm Murphy was on a later train, but yes, he just went there this year. But you're right. And I'm going to take Virginia Tech in the spot because of this reason. Who was I was talking to? Uh, talking to uh, I think an NBA front office person about Mike Young like a week ago, and he was just he was heaping praise on how good of a coach Mike Young is, like how tough he is to prepare for. Um, this is Memphis's first real opponent this season. I know Billikens fans, but you don't have your best player. Like Memphis beat St. Louis. Nice win. St. Louis is not the team that it would have otherwise been with Javante Perkins. So here's a real test. And with no, like they got to get the point guard stuff figured out. So because of that, I will go Virginia Tech straight up. Give me the Hokies to win. Uh, And what's the first real test for both of these teams? Tigers, you got to prove it spot here uh, late in Brooklyn on Wednesday night. Love to be there. That's too late of a tip. I can't be getting home. 2 30 in the morning. I'm gonna be podcasting tonight till 2 30. Can't be doing that. But yeah, give me the hokies. I'll take Memphis minus one and a half. I have to go, I have to go home eventually. I have to go home eventually. All right. So put me down for Memphis minus one and a half. Friday, 10 30 p.m. Eastern, number one Gonzaga versus number five Duke inside Spearmint Rhino Arena. Oh boy. Woo. I didn't see that one. <laughs> boy, tell you one thing. I ain't saying I never done it. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying occasionally we got some parents that love listening to this podcast with their junior high children. Inside Spearmint Rhino Arena. Ken Palm has it Gonzaga minus seven. You can watch it on ESPN. Did we learn our lesson? I mean, I, I did. Listen, I'm not even going to play around with you. I don't know. I can't. I can't. I got to lay points. I'm just laying point. How can you think anybody's staying within seven of Gonzaga right now? Exactly. We're both okay. So 
Let's get this out of the way. We're both taking, I'm not taking anyone to cover versus Gonzaga until I see it happen. Certainly at the power conference level, we both got Gonzaga covering the seven. No doubt about it. Got to happen. Now, this game is going to be fascinating as hell. You have the two best freshmen in America. Could be the player of the year. Either one of these could be the number one draft pick. And I kind of feel like it's going to be Bancaro guarding Chet because Bancaro's better defensively out on the perimeter than Mark Williams, who's a more traditional center who will guard Timmy. So we have four really, really good big men. Completely fascinated with this matchup. And then you'll have Trevor Keels on Andrew Nemhard. Wonderful head-to-head battles all over the floor here. Duke, I didn't think would be better than UCLA heading into the season. I do think Duke is a better team right now. Maybe that won't be the case. Maybe the Bruins will wind up being better once we get to March. But right now, I think Duke is better than UCLA. And on Friday, I think Duke will give Gonzaga a better game than UCLA gave the Zags on Tuesday night. But I'm not picking them to finish inside the number. It'd be it'd be a hell of a, a thing to talk about Sunday if Duke can win the game or keep it really close. But I'm more interested to see how Holmgren does against Bancaro, how Bancaro shows up in this. If it just becomes another Drew Timmy game, I don't know. If it's Is it going to be one... Is it going to be a game that's dominated by the defense? I think there's a lot of ways that this can go. Uh, yeah, side note, you heard when, G, when GP said that. 10.30 tip, though. Mm, late Friday. We'll be up watching it, but so many of these really good games have just been late as hell. Late as hell. Like, 10.30. Yeah, I mean, like, whatever. It is what it is, but, like, I'm sleepy, you know? I'm getting sleepy. We are not doing this again Friday night after Duke and Zaga. You can wait for Sunday and the live podcast for us to talk about that. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Saturday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. This is game four. Number 18, BYU at Utah inside the Andrew Bogut Center. Kim Pom has it. BYU minus two. You can watch it on. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? You can't watch it. Just text me. You want me to FaceTime you? Just prop my phone up for two hours. Just text me and let me know who won. You can watch it on the Pac-12 network. Just text me when it's over. Let me know how it went. Uh, you know what they call this game, right? The bot got game? <laughs> okay. Oh, it's a late podcast, folks. It's late. It's not... This is the holy war, is it not? Oh, the holy war. <laughs> I thought it was the bot got game. <laughs> he never played for BYU. He was at he Minnesota. Could've. He could have. And then he, he could have gone back home to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that's just incredible. Just uh, wait. There's going to be, we're going to get to the point on these late night ones where I actually start drinking right during the podcast. Okay. I, I'm not doing it yet, but we'll get there. Uh, I, I'm I'm so ready for that. Utah, we talk about coaches doing well in their first season. Craig Smith, who I have uh, endorsed and predicted he will be at Utah for more than a decade and he will work out in a major way. He is 5-0, and but BYU is by far the best team uh, yet. And I will take the Cougars to continue uh, the WCC's great start at the top of the conference there. And I will have BYU and Alex Barcelo winning that game getting it done on the road and getting a quad one win. Um, but yeah, that's a, I, I'm glad you picked that one, man. That was, I didn't know if you were going to go for that one, but yeah, that's a, uh, that's a quality one. So I go BYU. What about you? 
yeah, I'm going BYU. I just think BYU is really good. And I think Craig's has made Utah respectable. Like, again, we started, we, we talked about Wes Miller, where Cincinnati started at Kimpom, where they are right now. Utah started 96th. They're up to 69th, I believe, right now, 68, 69th in that range. Um, Barcelo's averaging for BYU 20 and a half points. He's shooting. Have you seen these numbers? 70% from the field and 60% from three. He's insane. He's insane. 60% from three on five attempts per game. I mentioned Botgott. He's back home where he belongs. He went to Minnesota for a year, realized he needed to get back to his roots. He's now at Utah, averaging 10 points, two rebounds per game. Good to have him back. Straight up thriving right now. It's good to have Uh, him back. My game? Here we go. Friday. All right. 4 p.m. at the Caleb Green Center. Who's Caleb Green? Caleb Green? Who is Caleb Green? Is he the drummer for Big and Rich? No, but I, and I don't know any Big and Rich song except for. <laughs> Neither do I. I don't even know why I say that. <laughs> it's the only one I know, but I hope that he listens to the podcast. Very little chance. Caleb Green is the all-time leading scorer in Oral Roberts history. 2,503 points also has the most offensive rebounds. You know, you know, I almost picked that game. And do you know what I named that arena? Bill, <laughs> no. Bill Self Arena. Okay, fair enough. I couldn't remember. We'll get it. We'll get a Google doc going that we can keep track of this. I, Caleb Green, best player in Oral Roberts history. Oklahoma State minus 10 at Oral Roberts. Why this game? Kind of a random one, right? Well, uh, listen, Oklahoma State's not going to the postseason, so we'll give them a little bit of love. Heard about but, that. Um, our, our guy, Max Asmus, he's going through it right now. Oh, no. 14.7 points, Ooh. 2.7 rebounds. He's shooting 34% from the field. He's shooting 15% from three-point range. He's shooting 43% of Oral Roberts shots, which is more, which is a higher percentage than any other player in America. But he's actually started off really cold. This is your preseason first team all-American selection. And Oral Roberts is two and two. It's it's three and two. All three wins have come against schools not in Division One. Southwestern Christian. Mm. Something called Haskell. I know Haskell. Eddie. Remember Eddie Haskell? Exactly. exactly. Half our listeners have no idea who that is. And Roger State. The loss is against Central Arkansas, which is one of the worst teams in college basketball. It was on the road in Colorado State. So Oklahoma State's a good opportunity for Oral Roberts. And credit to Mike Boynton for scheduling a road game here against the team that uh, made the Sweet 16. But yeah, Aismas is not off to a good start. And um, I don't know if we'll be talking about this team the rest of the season. So I wanted to mix him here. Oklahoma State minus 10 on the road. I will actually take... Oral Bob to uh to show well. They'll lose, but they'll be within the 10. I'll lay the points then. You made you made Oral Roberts sound awful in your description. So I'll lay points. You're you know what? I'm giving you one. Like there's there's no I should not be right about this game whatsoever. So I give you that one. Before we get out of here, let me give you a heads up, listeners, on other games you need to be aware of here. We're not picking these, but uh they better not tip off before noon. Nothing before nothing before noon. Good, because I'm not trying to wake up before noon. Yeah, I know you're not. Michigan State, Loyola, Chicago is the first battle for Atlantis game. That is a noon tip on Wednesday, uh, noon Eastern. Might as, well, might as well put it on the Pac-12 network. Might, as, might as well. <laughs> no but chance I'm seeing I it. I do love the Wednesday before Thanksgiving because you get the battle for Atlantis going right into Maui. Um, you'll also, actually, you'll have, I don't know why. I, I double-checked this. This is accurate. 
So Oregon's going to play Houston in the Constellation Maui game. Okay. That was supposed to be the title game. Those teams lost. They both got beat. And so now that becomes actually kind of an urgent game for both those teams. Uh, unless I am wildly wrong, I was looking at this when we were doing the, while I was watching the Gonzaga game prepping, I'm, I'm seeing 1130 tip. That's got to be local, but it has 1130 AM Eastern. They're going to make these dudes play at 830 in the morning. That cannot be right. They're playing at some point. What we do have in the title game is Wisconsin versus St. Mary's. That's a five o'clock tip on Wednesday on ESPN. I'm here once again to bitch about the fact that the Maui championship game needs to be the last game of that tournament. Oh God. Get this out of here with this five o'clock tip nonsense. Real ones know what I'm talking about. It's five o'clock. I think GP's trying to fact check me. Um, only other game on Wednesday that's set in stone that's worth watching. Your 2007 title game rematch, Fort Myers tip-off final, 8.30 p.m., FS1, Ohio State versus Florida. A good game for both of those teams. Uh, keep an eye out for it. Thanksgiving, in between the football, my Bears are going to win or lose, GP. They're playing the Lions. Lions haven't won yet this year. I'm assuming since it's the Bears, they're going to lose. Lions haven't won yet. Yeah, but it's still the Bears, you know? Hey, I thought you were going to fire your coach already. What are you doing? You see that? A reporter from patch.com. Patch.com. Boy, yeah. You, you, I don't even. Hatch.com? Hatch, P A T C H. That was a thing like 15 years ago when I was in the, <laughs> the newspaper industry. Shouts, but uh, we'll see. If, it, if the, I'll tell you what, Bears lose at the Lions on Thanksgiving. That'll do it. I'm willing to take the loss. Let's go. Let's just come, yeah. come on. Let's go. Houston, Let's Oregon, by the way, tips off at 2.30 Eastern. Okay, so it's 11.30 local. 11.30 local. That's a quick turnaround. I've been, I've been to a 7 a.m. AAU game in Las Vegas. Foothill. Out at Foothill. If you think 11.30 is early, just wait one minute. On Thanksgiving, you will have 3-2 and two Belmont versus 3-0 and o Drake in the ESPN Events Invitational. I think this used to be what they called the Old Spice. Um... Belmont's got to win it for me, if nothing else. Did they get, they just got rocked by somebody, didn't they? Yeah, they they got rocked by LSU by like twenty five or something like that. Yeah, I saw that. And then great. Louisville, Mississippi State, Bahamar Hoops, Bahamas Championship, Thanksgiving night, nine thirty. CBS Sports Network is why I bring that up. There, Mississippi mm. State's a team we think might be able to get to the NCAA tournament. So keep an eye on that. And then if for whatever reason you've gotten to the podcast uh, amid your Thanksgiving dinner and you're just listening now and you're like, they're talking about a bunch of games that already happened. Well, you can prep for this. The Battle for Atlantis final scheduled to be played at 11 in the morning on Friday, the day after. Now, this is because there's all these college football games. So if it's the best case scenario, you've got Baylor playing either Auburn or the winner of Auburn, UConn. That's the best matchup you could get. We'll see if the bracket breaks that way, but Baylor's obviously the favorite to win that. You also have the NIT season tip-off final that night on Friday at 930 at Olivia Wilde Center. Uh, right. That will be likely Xavier versus Memphis or Virginia Tech. Keep an eye on that. And then late, late, if the bracket breaks the right way for the Wooden Legacy on Friday night, you will have USC playing San Diego State. That's the best matchup we could see there and then how about this on saturday two games worth tell first first one 10 in the morning 10 a.m on cbs sports network because it's so much college football they're going to play basketball at 10 in the morning in the bahamas the bahamar the bahamar <laughs> bahamas final 
it'll probably be Maryland versus Louisville or Mississippi State. So 10 in the morning on a Saturday. I, I fact-checked this with event organizers to make sure I was looking at this correctly. 10 a.m. You're watching that, aren't you? Little Hoops yeah, Over Brunch? I think I will watch that, sure. I will I will legitimately be watching that game. It's, I mean, it's just 10 a.m. This is going to be the first 10 a.m. Eastern tip since the 24-hour marathon used to be a thing. There would be no other reason to have one, ever. Hey, the more games that get played earlier in the day, the quicker I can get the top 25 and one done. That's a valid point. <laughs> I'm always looking out for my best interest. That is a valid point. Last one I'm going to give you a heads up on. We'll obviously talk about the team that wins this and loses it on our Sunday pod. The ESPN Invitational Final, if the bracket breaks the right way, it will be Kansas playing Alabama. That's a top 10 matchup. We'll see if it winds up being that overall. But those are um, a few games to keep an eye on. We'll note that St. Mary's or Wisconsin is going to win the Maui tournament. No one had that happening, but we will get that winner on Wednesday. Um, Kelvin Sampson had shaved the throat at Wisconsin. He said, quote, I don't think any of them are great players, but they're good at Wisconsin scheme. <laughs> Just to Abby Schnabel. I hope that la- have that last name correct. We got coaches with some saucy quotes right now. I don't think any of them are great players, but they're good at Wisconsin scheme. Yikes. Sampson, what are we doing here? Um, but hey, if St. Mary's can win that, again, boost the WCC even more. If Wisconsin can win it, good for them. Good for the Big Ten. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, Illinois was able to beat K-State on Tuesday night. Trent Frazier, you were in studio, so I assume you did this highlight. Trent Frazier left that game. He had to be carried off. They haven't said what the injury is, and we don't have a timeline, but like, let's hope it's not serious because they really need him. Illinois needs him in a significant way, but they dodged uh yeah, they dodged uh, a loss against K-State. The night before, he went 0 of 9 for zero points. I agree with you. They need him, but that was rough. That was rough. All right, here's my last thing. Those are all the games. This is our last pod before Thanksgiving. We do hope everyone has a safe, happy, healthy Thanksgiving. Something returned to normal after last year when it was very much not normal. But in our shared Google Doc, I suppose you didn't see it at the bottom. Um, I just simply have a note. It says, make fish on Thanksgiving acceptable. I'm a pescatarian. You hate turkey. So this idea, like you got, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You doing a ham? You doing a big chicken? Like, what are we doing here on Thanksgiving? I guess you're, you know. Well, I, I'm, I'm flying. I'm, I'll be eating in, uh, in the Delta Sky Club, and okay. uh, until I get home, it, like, um, this has got twisted on me a little bit. I don't hate turkey. Like, um, if I'm at the golf course making the turn, I want to grab something very quickly. I mm-hmm. might grab a turkey sandwich. My whole point with Thanksgiving is that having um, a holiday annually that is most centered around food and eating Mm -hmm. to make the centerpiece of that such an inferior product like turkey seems nonsensical to me like if if we you asked anybody in the world hey what do you want to eat today you can have whatever you want nobody's gonna say turkey nobody some people might say pizza some people might say steak some people might say burgers some people might say pasta some people might say you know, uh, 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 fried chicken, chicken sandwiches. Nobody would say turkey. And yet we all get together on Thanksgiving and pretend that the turkey's awesome. And it's just not. Uh, At least it's not as awesome as other things would be. Like, I always make this point. If you put a turkey, sliced it all up so people could just grab it how right. they wanted to, make it easy, and 
at the end of the end of the table, put the exact same amount of Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. At the with an hour later, there'd be plenty of turkey left, and those chicken nuggets would be gone. And I know that this is tied, or at least I think it's tied. I don't really understand a lot about history. I wouldn't consider myself a history buff. But um, I feel like this is the Pilgrim's fault. And I don't even know how this could work. I'd have to think it through. But how much better would Thanksgiving be if we'd have had Mexican Pilgrims? And we could have tacos Ooh. and burritos and quesadillas oh, and, and chips and dip on Thanksgiving. And we'd not be like, ah, we're just we're, we're celebrating tradition thanks to our Mexican Pilgrims. It's a real shame we didn't have Mexican Pilgrims. Here's the deal. When you load up that Thanksgiving plate, you get you have an internal, even if it's subconscious, you have an internal power rankings. And you are more excited about the potato element, the mac and cheese, potentially the stuffing. Maybe you got a good little cranberry thing. Maybe you got something that you, mom, grandma, uncle, someone just makes it only make it for Thanksgiving. That's what you get excited about. My point is this. Why have we created a taboo around having fish on Thanksgiving? Nada himself said, you know what? You want to go to a grouper? A little swordfish? I'm good with that. Salmon's a little sketchy. I don't quite understand that, but just for you, Nada. Still, by the way, he's like the uh, he's like the unheard third member of the podcast. I kind of like what we've developed here. I will go grouper when I go to the fish market on Wednesday. Okay, but I got an issue because we had this fantasy football today tweet that went up. You know, pick your sides. You got a budget. So I'm going salmon. People came. Salmon is is the most reliable protein out there. It, it's not hard to cook. It's always awesome. Get a little garlic, a little butter on there. Oh gosh, not as a salmon's basic. Not my salmon. That's all I gotta say. Salmon, salmon is basic, but also good. It's like like it's, like macaroni and cheese is basic, but also great. A lot of things yes. are basic, but great. Did you see that Patriots player try and hate on mac and cheese? Yeah, that's why I mentioned that. Absurd. What are we? He's doing? like, it's just it's just noodles and cheese. Well, he said, yeah, get, he like, said, get it off the table. Yeah, but like, do you know what like do you know what a, a cheese quesadilla is? It's just cheese in, in a tortilla, but it's unbelievable. That's right. You know? That's like a cheese roll-up? Again. Cheese rolled up. Into the Thanksgiving mix and tell me who's not better for that. It's a shame we didn't have Mexican pilgrims. I don't know how that would have worked. I don't either. But it's just a shame. Imagine if on Thanksgiving we were gonna have tacos and burritos and cheesy gordita crunches. Put a cheesy gordita crunch on the plate next to a slice of turkey and see exactly. what gets eaten first. It's like the, Now, you wouldn't understand this because it's a Seinfeld reference, but there's a whole tangent Costanza goes off on one episode where he's like, you're telling me people are taking wine over Pepsi? No, I show up to this party with Pepsi and I'm the hero of the night. Same exact deal you're talking about there. By the way, you're flying on Thanksgiving. Yep. I did that four years ago for the PK-80. You should be, I mean, that's the day to fly. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it several times. People, people aren't. People travel the Tuesday and Wednesday and the Friday, but Thursday usually. The only thing I'm worried about, and I didn't think about this as I was booking the flight, um, I'm staying on Broadway. There's a Macy's Thanksgiving parade. Like, how am I gonna? How am I gonna get through that? <laughs> what if you see me on TV just cutting through the parade with my suitcase, <laughs> my portable lights, these stupid rings? Oh my goodness. Just oh, this is awesome. I didn't even th consider that part of it. It's too good. 
It's too good. It's almost too ambitious. I've never wanted to do anything more than get out of here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Kivas Shipman. It's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you, guys. He's a legend. Thank you for listening once again to the Iron College Basketball Podcast, middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and please, if you haven't done it already, please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's no other way to see rings reflecting out of my eyeballs than to subscribe <laughs> to the YouTube channel. So please do that. Hit the bell button. They say you'll get alerts. The alerts I- Sunday. Sunday we're supposed to be live. Bell button I'm- alerts. Get it done. We'll have a link in the podcast description to the YouTube channel. Get those. <laughs> Never gotten an alert in my life. Get an Enterprise Connect alert, and then you trust me. You'll get it daily. If you see the like button while you're there, smash it. Just like Brandon Davies would. You know he would. You know he would. Risk the whole basketball season. Be Brandon Davies. Smash that like button, and we will talk to you again on Sunday. Till then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.